0: hey there welcome back to therapy chat today is the next episode in the practice building series and i'm super excited to have a very special guest with me today's guest is allison Pereira of abundance practice building Allison is a clinical social worker in North Carolina and someone who has built successful private practices in more than one state, which is pretty amazing. I would not want to do that, but she has done it cheerfully because it was what was best for herself and her family. And Allison is a very funny woman. She has a great way of telling a story. I definitely suggest you check out her website, abundancepracticebuilding.com and read her story. If you're a therapist in private practice or thinking about going into private practice, I laughed out loud several times when I was reading her story of the journey she was on and how she got to where she is now. And it kind of gives you a picture of what she's like she's very sharp and knowledgeable. She just has a great way of explaining things. Let's get started listening to my interview with Allison Perrier of Abundance Practice Building. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I have a wonderful guest, Allison Perrier. Allison, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm super excited to talk to you today. You're a business coach who I've admired sort of semi from afar as I've gotten to interact with you a lot through Facebook groups. But um, we've never really talked personally before. So I'm super excited.
1: Yeah, me too. I've seen you around for a long time. So it's nice to be able to like see you and hear your voice.
0: Yeah, makes it a little more real. I love taking that Facebook connection to the next level. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I am a fan. I subscribe to your email newsletter and I read all your blog posts. I love what you're doing. I love how you talk. So, you know, in such a real way, you're really keeping it real about private practice building and, you know, the pitfalls and foibles and the successes. And um, I think it's really relatable and kind of encouraging and validating to people to hear, yeah, it's hard, but you can do it. Anyone can do it and um, see how you guide people in growing their practices.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. I think one of the things that I I talk about with my assistant, who is like, we are the company, the two of us, um, is how our very top value as a company is authenticity. And if we try to act like we've got all our stuff together um it doesn't create the space for other people to be messy and there's often a lot of value in that mess so um so yeah thank you i'm glad that's coming through
0: yeah and that is so very true because the process of starting a private practice it's such a vulnerable experience and so you know some people will be like it's so easy anyone could do it and then when you start to do it you're like oh my gosh why is this so hard <laughs> i'm so scared yeah and and keeping that space um for people to be honest about that. And you being honest about it definitely is a great way to support people. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) So how did you get started um, in your work? Can you talk about a little bit uh, about yourself and your, your practice and your business?
1: Absolutely. Um, so I I started out as a therapist and was cutting my teeth in some agencies that um, were pretty tough um, in terms of just the management and things like that. Like my clients, even though I've worked with a broad array of, of clients and I've really enjoyed my work with all of them, I certainly have things I'm better at than th- than others. But um, my clients were never the problem in my um, happiness in jobs. It tended Or the management, the um, culture. Um, I think a lot of people who aren't in this field probably assume that like a mental health agency or a group practice would inherently be a really healthy place. Mm -hmm. Um, And my experience personally and with those that I work with is much of the time, it's really, really not. It can be really toxic. And when you're doing this really important work with people, it's it's so hard to like get out of this incredible session and then feel like you're like just drowning in the toxicity of your workplace. Um, So I finally kind of had it um, and I had it, I just kind of got to my breaking point of working for other people. I'd had a small side private practice for a while while working full time. um, And then my being totally done with working for another, yet another agency coincided with a move across the country. um, Mm. And, Yeah, no pressure. Um, And so my incredibly supportive, loving husband um, was totally on board, scared as well, but on board with me saying, like, I cannot move to a new place and get in another situation that I've, like, the one I've been in for years. Um, And so he had faith in me, and I had wavering faith in me um, that I could build a practice in a city where I didn't know anybody. Um, And so I just... I had to kind of figure it out. There, there weren't as many, uh, like coaches, there weren't what podcasts, there weren't these things that are around now at the time. And so I really had to like (laughs) stumble and trial and error and see what worked and see what didn't in order to do, um, to do what I wanted to do. Um, it totally paid off. Uh, I was like a dog with a bone. I was unwilling <laughs> to let go of this idea of a successful private practice. And so I definitely had those times when I was like crying on the floor of my living room. Uh, I had those times when I would do little dances, when I would um, schedule the first appointment with somebody. I mean, it was just mm. so many ups and downs. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really, I feel like I kind of I I had a new layer of growing up that happened as I, as I became a businesswoman. Um, They say like personal development, like you can't avoid personal development when you start a business Um, because it it sure is going to put all of your stuff in your face. And so learning that I could, I could trust myself was really huge and really beautiful and really hard. So,
0: um, oh my gosh, that, oh my gosh. I mean, so many things you just said struck so many chords in me (laughs) awesome
1: I'm glad (laughs) because I think it's a shared experience I mean anybody who's done this knows it's hard um and knows that um it is gonna it's gonna bring up some things that you thought that you'd put to rest some things you might have worked on in your own therapy and in your personal life you were like yeah I've totally nailed this not enough story of mine um but it's gonna come back around in business um and ultimately, that's okay because we can handle it. We've already proven that we can handle it by moving through it in the first place. So, wow, so, yeah. Oh and then gosh. I, I ended up moving again, um, and so we moved back across the country a few years later, and that's when. We doing the practice building. We knew we were going to put down roots here in Asheville. Um, and I got sad that I wasn't going to be able to start another practice. I immediately thought, like, well, what a crazy thing. Um, and so there were all these different layers of things that happened where all of a sudden um, this kind of hobby I'd had on the side of helping my friends across the country build practices by just telling them what I'd done. Um, I realized it was a viable business model. And I loved it so much. I love doing therapy, but I like super love doing consulting and helping therapists build practices because I think they can do... Uh, personally, I think they can do better work usually when they're working for themselves than when they're in agencies because they can practice the self-care. They can um, set their own hours. They don't have... Um, expectations of taking more and more people on their caseload when they don't have the time and space for it. Um, So I feel like my, kind of like my footprint gets bigger because I can help clinicians do their best work with their amazing clients. Um, Many of whom are working with people I have like I have no idea how to do sex therapy, for instance, and I help a lot of sex therapists. And it's really exciting to me that despite my lack of experience in that realm, I'm getting to help people. (laughs) So it's really cool. I've, Totally
0: love it. Yeah, it's such an example of how, you know, you don't have to be doing one on one or group clinical work to be able to affect change with a huge ripple effect. If you're helping one sex therapist build a practice that that person loves and helps them, you know, do amazing work with all of their clients, that's, you know, and that's one. And so every person you work with, how you help them build a practice that is fulfilling and helps them grow versus something that makes them feel stagnant. And, you know, they eventually burn out Uh, what you're saying about agency work. And I'm a proud social worker, but um, I have been really personally and professionally. I am all too well aware of how the agency environment does not support self-care 99% of the time.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I got my start in an agency where it was supportive. And that was the first work experience I had in the helping professions. And then from there, every other place it was like, Oh, like where's the self-care support? Where's the, where's the, you know, encouragement for personal growth. And um, I mean, not that, All the places I've worked, there hasn't been some aspect of that where they've tried. But in general, it's do more with less and, you know, put your own needs aside and crisis after crisis. And yeah, Yeah. it's like, (laughs) how can we sustain that? Any of us?
1: Right, right. Yeah. So I I hit my wall. So I decided not to. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I love that you are a testimonial that we can do that. We that doesn't have to be how it is. That's not like what you, you know, like resign yourself to when you go through all the work of becoming a therapist that you have to suffer the rest of your career.
1: Right. And I think I'm a social worker as well, and I think that that's something that um, it was not communicated in my grad program. I think there was a lot of like, you were here to serve until you bleed. <laughs> yep. Um, and don't and expect to stick make any money in that wound and, and keep going. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, you know, and it, like I'm not, I'm not here to be a martyr. Um, mm-hmm. I don't do my best work when I'm feeling sorry for myself, um, and I'm, I want to serve in a way that it's actually service. So, right, yeah.
0: Right. And uh, I also need to comment on what you said about moving, you know, having a practice and then moving across the country and starting a new practice is like, oh my gosh, the anxiety that that brought up just to think about for me.
1: Yeah, it was scary. Um, Cause you know, it was a huge life transition too. My husband was going into, um, into school Um, He was going back to school. And so, like, there was going to be no money coming in from his end. His program took about 80 hours a week out of his life. So there was was absolutely no way that he could get a job. So there was a lot of pressure. But I don't know. Maybe I have some rose-colored glasses looking back. But I think about how, like, I would go for these, like, epic three-hour walks down to, like, the beach and you know, take my dog when I had downtime, like I was actually engaging in self-care for the first time. I took up hobbies for the first time, besides like the running I used to have to do to manage my anxiety around working in agencies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really, I feel like I learned how to take care of myself in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, I meditated all the time. I'm, I'm looking back like, wow, I need the space for that stuff again. Um, but I meditated all the time and did yoga all the time and was just really present. And, um, I was in Seattle and had a lot of friends. It's a kind of a city full of startups. And so I had a lot of other friends who were, um, self-employed. So we'd be like, Hey, let's go take a two hour lunch. Um, while we were still in the process of building, um, So, yeah, I have a lot of really fond memories, despite the fact that there was also a layer of terror. Um, Absolutely. And I
0: love what you just said about the way you made self-care just part of your life. And instead of the sort of um, joyless, like... I run because I feel if I don't run, I'm going to run away screaming from this job and be running down the <laughs> middle of the street instead, you know?
1: <laughs> you were just so in my head from that time period. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I couldn't help it because my husband also did a grad school um, long experience where we were, you know, he didn't have – he had an assistantship, but it was it was pennies and um, – So as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, my God, I know her. I know her. She knows me. She gets me. Totally. (laughs) That was a very hard time. But, you know, there's something nice about being like, we're going through this together and we're going to get through it. And um, as long as you are able to keep that type of attitude, you can get through it. But um, so let's talk about um, what do you see as the biggest challenges therapists face in building their practices? Because a lot of it, I think, is the mindset issues, you know, like you said.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting, because we like, we all got through grad school, uh, which means we can totally learn the things that are learnable, right? You know, like, SEO is really overwhelming when you're first starting to think about it. But really, like, it's just a series of right this year, Um, like there's a formula for it and we can all follow formulas, you know, like we've, we've all proven our intelligence enough to ourselves that we can do these nuts and bolts things. Um, it's that, it's that fear that gets in our way. It either paralyzes us sometimes. Um, and so we've got this to-do list that's like way too long and way too overwhelming. Or we have, um, you know, those moments when we're laying down on the floor and crying and thinking that that's an indication that we should quit what we're doing, when it's actually an indication that we're we're right on track, mm. um, and we're in great company. So um, that mindset stuff, um, there's also the, I hear a lot of, well, who am I to have a private practice? Um, a lot of self-worth stuff coming up for folks. Um, yes, uh,
0: yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, I mean, what you said before when you talked about um, how starting a private practice, becoming a business owner really pushes every issue that you thought you had worked through already. Can you talk more about that? Like um, Like you said, like, who am I to be doing this?
1: Yeah. So, for instance, for myself, when I moved to Seattle, one of my, like, ongoing negative thoughts that just kept coming up for me is like, I'm not going to be as good as the therapist in Seattle. Like I'm just a girl from Georgia and these are like big city people in this like cool state. And I was, um, really doubting my own self-worth in comparison to my colleagues in Seattle as if, as if they'd all been to like the best schools in the entire world. And I went to the worst, which none of that is true, you know? Um, so I had to really keep vetting myself and to kind of as I was meeting people coming in with a beginner's mind, as I was learning how, um, they work with the same population I work with and being like, wow, that's really smart. Instead of like a self-deprecating, um, I am not good enough kind of mind. Um, Mm. I feel like I'd done a lot of personal work around feeling good enough and having confidence, like a lot of work, um, in my personal life. And, to have it come back again, it was almost a slap in the face. Like, come on, I spent years on this nonsense. Um, yeah, it's like, but, you
0: again, why? <laughs> Go right. away.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I think having it come up again in this new and different context was, you know, because then later it came up in parenting, you know, and I recognized that this is just one of my prevailing stories and it doesn't have to run my life. I can mm-hmm. just be like, oh, here's that not good enough thing. Um, it just keeps coming around. I think about it like a spiral staircase and I'm going up. So like I've dealt with it on like level one and level two and it's going to show up again once I hit level three. Um, and But you know what? I'm going up. I'm still – I know how to handle it. It's just going to show up and I can decide whether or not I give it power. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that has – that was a really um, – important self-worth thing for me as I was building and growing. And it ended up when I moved back across the country to North Carolina, it ended up really sustaining me in a lot of ways in a good way of like, oh, I know this not good enough story is going to come up. I just went through this in Seattle a few years ago. um, And that's okay. It's going to come up. I know I can do this. I've done it before. So.
0: And I think. That's what it is. Like you said, how we go through grad school. We're smart people. We like to know. We we revel in being able to take information and learn it, apply it. It's what we do. And so that intellectual part is, is super developed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then when we get into situations where it's new and we don't know, we're like, you know, the perfectionism, the overachiever stuff all just blows up. I know that's my experience.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it seems like there are a lot of us in this field who struggle with perfectionism and a lot of fairly type A folks. And it's really hard. I mean, I know I'm not really excited about doing a new thing I know I'm going to suck at. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) like, please don't sign me up for that. Like, anything sports related, let's just take that off the list. (laughs) I want to feel as like my ego strength is fairly good, but I don't want to challenge myself in ways that I know just aren't going to get better. Yeah. So, um, so I think bumping up against like, I'm not, I'm not very technologically savvy, for instance, I can learn what I need to learn. Um, but I know that at some point I'm going to want to throw my computer against the wall. Mm. I'm going to resist that urge, but, um, that's kind of a part of my, <clears throat> excuse me, a part of my learning process sometimes is like, I know I'm going to hit a frustration wall. Okay. So that's my frustration wall. And that also doesn't mean I can't learn this thing. Um, so it's it's not letting our stuff stop us, essentially.
0: Yeah. And what you said, I'm sure about how, med- how you used to meditate a lot. And, you know, you talked about beginner's mind, being able to say, oh, this is that, you know, instead of... I'm not. Actually, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. You know, just like, oh, there's that. I'm not good enough story.
1: Right, right. (laughs) Hey, old friend. (laughs) Frenemy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So
0: um, one thing I've noticed from you, and it's unavoidable because the name of your business is Abundance Practice Building, is that you adopt an abundance mindset and you model that in everything you do professionally that I've seen. Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly And don't forget, go to TherapyNotes.com and use promo code CHAT to get two free months. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is the EMDR therapy training brainchild of Dr. Jamie Marriage, a clinician and author who's on a mission to confront stigma around mental health, trauma, and dissociation. The Institute, informed by Jamie's work, teaches a somatic, expressive, bottom-up approach to EMDR therapy that does not treat dissociation like a dirty word. ICM empowers their students to navigate dissociation as a normal response to trauma and stress when it shows up. Dr. Jamie Marich is out and proud on various levels about her own recovery and is a strong believer in the healing capacities of EMDR therapy and helping our clients to heal from the impact of trauma. I and two of my team members have been trained by the Institute for Creative Mindfulness directly with Jamie. And I was impressed with how dissociation really was treated as just a normal aspect of trauma therapy work, which it is. Both Jamie and the consultants were matter of fact about if and when dissociation arises. It's okay. It's normal. And here's how you can help the client in that situation. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is offering a coupon code to save 15% off any program offered by ICM. This includes their EMDR therapy basic training programs and a wide variety of their home study, advanced topics, and other CE offerings. Go to instituteforcreativemindfulness.com and use promo code 15 off for listeners. There's a link in the show notes. You can copy the promo code and use the link right there in the show notes to make it easy. know that small actions can make a big difference in our lives. I know for me, I can be in a terrible mood, go out somewhere and see a stranger, make eye contact and just smile at them and find suddenly I feel good. Whether it's practicing mindfulness a few minutes each day, movement practices, small actions can have big benefits like how taking care of your gut can support whole body health. Seeds DSO-1 daily symbiotic benefits your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. Your body is an ecosystem and great health starts in the gut. Your gut is a central hub for various pathways through the body and a healthy gut microbiome means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, our immune systems, and more. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com living and use code 25living to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com living, code 25living. Can you talk about what the abundance mindset is and how it's different from the way that we tend to operate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So for me, I I always think about abundance as there's plenty. Um, It's unfortunate that there are plenty of clients to go around, right? I would love for all of us to feel like so much better about life, but there are plenty of clients to go around um, we don't have to get competitive as as therapists. As I don't think anybody needs to get competitive for anything, to be honest with you. Um, our people are going to find us. So I in my clinical practice, I specialize in eating disorders. I'm in a town with a ton of really amazing eating disorder therapists. And I love that. Like my style is communicated through my referral sources or through my website in a way that clients can decide whether or not I'm going to be the best fit for them or somebody else's. Because we all do this a little bit differently. We all have our own take on it. We all ha- bring our own personalities into the room. Um, even the blank slate therapist, like that's that's what they're bringing into the room. That's different. So we all have these natural differences that mean that the people we work best with, as long as we're letting them know we're there, are going to find us. Um, like, I'm not maternal. I'm not the maternal therapist. I'm more like, let's roll up our sleeves and call you on your stuff. And, like, let's get in there together. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to smile and nod a lot. Um, and so I've had people say, like, I, w- I really kind of need somebody a little bit more maternal. And I'm like, oh, awesome. You know who you need to see. <laughs> There's this amazing clinician. And I don't take it personally because I'm confident and, like, this is who I am and this is what I do and this is how I do it. And it works really well for some people. Um, And for the people who aren't a great fit, there's somebody out there who does amazing work with them. And I trust the phone's going to keep ringing. It always has. Um, We all have these amazing strengths as people and as therapists. And to be able to be comfortable with other people's strengths and not see them as a threat allows us to be open and Kind and generous, and I really believe that generosity is rewarded so so yeah, that's how I think of abundance um, and I think the the scarcity mindset, which is what where a lot of people get stuck and are operating is Oh my God, I have to make my phone bill this month or my mortgage and I don't have enough clients. So I'm going to take this client that called me. That's clearly not a good fit for me, even though like Laura is the best fit for this person. I'm going to keep them because I, I'm scared and I need to, I need to pay my mortgage. And then what happens is you end up working with somebody you're not a best fit for. They're not having the best experience they could be having in therapy. They're not going to refer their friends or family to you. Um, they're not going to tell their doctor about the amazing work that you're doing. So you're kind of drying up potential referral sources when you get stuck in the scarcity mindset. Um, and you're also probably not enjoying the work that you're doing as much either if it's not, if it's not your type of client, because you know you're not doing your best work and none of us want to not be good at what we do. So yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah, that's the breakdown.
0: Yeah, so I can see how if someone is starting to build a practice and all these issues come up for them where I'm not good enough, I don't know enough, you know, it's the not enough, not enough, that's scarcity. Mm -hmm. You know, and then they hear their friends starting a practice too and they're like, oh, no.
1: Yeah, yeah, instead of like... Oh girl, like let's talk about let's talk about the fun parts. Like I really love this aspect of getting my practice. And let's talk about the things that make me want to cry cuz you're going to want to cry and you can call me. You know, how much more loving and supportive and real is that? You know?
0: Yeah, it feels so, so much better to connect and support one another and knowing your friend and knowing you and knowing what they specialize in what you specialize in when people call you who are a good fit for your friend, you can Refer with confidence and feel good for your friend and good for that client, and good knowing that the clients who are the right fit for you are going to come to you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's what I've seen a lot. So, one of the things I run are these practice building groups. And usually, I cap it at six people. Usually, four or five of the six are fairly new to private practice. And there's usually one or two that accidentally built the wrong practice. Like they were in a scarcity mindset, they took whoever called. Um, And now they're, maybe they have a full caseload, but it's, they're burned out. They're not feeling fulfilled. They're not feeling like they're doing great work and they kind of need to hit a reset button. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's a really, I think it's really good for the folks who are brand new to see like, here's the risk if I give into that scarcity that's knocking on my door. Um, But I think it's, it's also really, um, it's a great opportunity for people who've built the wrong practice to start over and get really clear about who they do their best work. That they can feel great going to work every day.
0: Yeah. So, for those people who've built the wrong practice by accident, how hard is it for them to make the shift to building the practice that gives them, you know, a life they feel wonderful in?
1: It takes some time. Um, Sometimes, for some people, it's a matter of getting off insurance panels. Um, I'm not pro or con insurance, I'm pro whatever works for. The individual. Um, but for some people, it means getting off insurance panels, and that will often drop their caseload pretty significantly if they're not doing their best work with those people. Um, and so then they have they have kind of the fresh space to bring in the people that are a better fit. Um, and if they're staying on insurance panels or they were always private pay or whatever, it's a matter of completing the work that they can do with the people that they're seeing when appropriate. Referring those folks out to the people that they've known all along would have done better work with them. Um, And that's emotional and hard and not always clinically appropriate, but sometimes it is. It's also being confident that that phone's going to ring because so far if they've been taking everybody that's called um, to turn people away in that initial call, which is both for their greater good and yours, um, it's a really scary thing to do but i keep seeing it work i keep seeing people more fulfilled and often we we have to build in a vacation like you're burned out you need a break let's let's figure out a way to make that happen so that you're not going from burned out and working with clients who aren't your people to burned out with a caseload of half your people and they're still not getting your best care because you're so still burned out
0: yeah i think one of the things about the scarcity mindset that really prevents people from leaving agencies and going into private practice is that fear that they aren't enough there won't be enough they won't know enough those seem to be the themes that i was sort of worried about and also what i see a lot of my peers who talk about you know i'm in an agency but what if i can't make it in private practice and i need a certain amount of money of course we all need a certain amount of money to pay our bills and That's reality. And you can do it. But what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think, I think in agencies, a lot of agencies, I don't want to say all, of course, but in a lot of agencies, there's some learned helplessness. So we We start to realize that when we use our voice, when we say, like, actually, like, I can't take on another client and we're told to manage our caseloads and that we're going to get two more this week and we need to absorb them somehow. uh, We learn that our voice doesn't matter and our, our needs don't matter. And after years of that, we kind of just give up. So I think that really, like, feeds into that idea that we're not enough. I think it's also modeled in some of the agencies that I've worked for, where um, leadership would trash talk another agency. There was this sense of, like, we are better than them, instead of, uh, they're so amazing at working with XYZ, and our strengths lie here. Uh, so that that scarcity model exists within a lot of these corporations, and it doesn't have to, and often it comes down to bureaucracy and leadership to model that for, for each of the clinicians. But I don't think it's always done in the way that it could be. So, so yeah, that not enoughness, I think, is definitely reinforced by the agencies that we work for. Sometimes our bosses. I'm on this management kick lately because I've realized that much of what didn't work for me in agencies is that there was this assumption that because as therapists, we're people, people, we're good at managing people. When it's an entirely different skill set. So... I've been getting a lot of management training myself so that I can do – I can be the kind of boss that my employee deserves uh, so that I have great boundaries because my thing is I want to I, – having had awful bosses, I want to be the best boss anybody's ever had and how that translates for me is – not having great boundaries sometimes and saying like, no, I need this done by tomorrow saying like, oh yeah, like if you couldn't get to it, that's totally fine. And then I get resentful. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's learning how to like work through my own stuff there and just say like, here's your, here are your tasks for this week. Um, let's talk about the tenets of our business and our meetings so that we're really like in touch with what we're providing in the world Uh, So that we're both inspired and we're both excited to complete our individual lists of tasks, which aren't always the most naturally inspiring things to do. Um, (laughs) But to be able to see what they are able to create for other people helps me feel um, more connected to wanting to do it. So
0: Yeah, connecting to the meaning in even the tedious tasks. Yeah, yeah. I love what you said about management because I think, you know, what I've seen is that people work and work and work and work so hard and so tirelessly and try to be that superhero and not, um, you know, not take care of their own needs. And then when they finally can't take any more, they move into management and then they're just (laughs) overloaded with you know, different administrative bureaucratic tasks that overload them, and they pass them down. And it's like, well, you got to pay your dues, like I paid my dues. And we're all struggling here. Like, why should you be trying to have self care when no one else here has time for it? You know? Yeah. And and like you said about that, you know, scarcity and With nonprofits, of course, there's always a struggle. There's never enough resources to support the need. And there's always like everyone's competing against each other to get the funding so that they can operate. Um, Although not every nonprofit adopts that scarcity mindset, but it's, you know, the risk is definitely there. Uh And everyone's affected by vicarious trauma, one of my real, um, like, passion areas because you know I feel like it's just overlooked so much how the the work the exposure to trauma the constant exposure to other people's pain does make us feel disempowered at times and if we don't take care of ourselves that's I feel like that's where that learned helplessness comes in
1: absolutely yeah
0: but making a difference in management can affect the whole agency the whole organization where everyone feels better.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not that scarcity isn't going to come up sometimes. Like it certainly, it comes up for me within my abundance building, some abundance practice building business sometimes. Um, but it, again, it's another one of those things where I don't have to let it drive me. I can have my moment where I get scared or I cry or um, I get stuck in some thoughts that aren't working for me and then I can kind of release it like just kind of sit with it and be with it and then remind myself I know what I'm doing um my mission is um it drives me even if I don't reach my goals this week like okay (laughs) I'm still making a difference in the world what are my goals really they're just potential projections um and I know for me getting caught up in a lot of the business stuff of like, well, look at your return on investment and look at your um, bottom line and look at your revenue and all those kinds of things can often pull me out of the abundance mindset. Mm -hmm. It's important to know where you are in your business, but um, getting obsessed with the numbers isn't going to help me grow this thing that I love. It's just going to make me obsessive.
0: Agreed, agreed. And again, that scarcity pops up there because you're like, Oh, well, my profit was only this percent. And um, so I guess I can't invest in that vacation, or I guess I can't invest in that clinical training that's going to take me to another level. Because right now, that doesn't seem like it'll be a good return on investment, because I have to have a profit margin of this percent, you know,
1: right, right. Well, and that some of the made- things
0: are so intangible.
1: Right, and that makes me think a lot about this huge mindset shift I've had around debt in a business. Because um, I was raised up to like debt is bad, debt is what makes you feel trapped, debt is evil. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Dave Ramseyed my way out of some debt that I had earlier on in my life, um, and I I think that for personal finance, debt doesn't always make sense, right? Like, I don't need to go and and buy some new clothes with a credit card just because I want them. That doesn't make any sense sense at all. Um, Investment in a business, however, where, you know, you might spend some money on a credit card and you're going to make back three to five times that before you even have to pay any interest on the credit card because you get one that's like 12 months, 0% APR or something. Like, that's actually kind of good business to borrow money that you don't have to pay for. Um, like you pay back the money, but you don't have to, um, pay for having used it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's something I actually came around to this year of like being in this abundant space when I hired my business coach, who was extraordinarily expensive. Um, but I knew that <laughs> she would get me somewhere. I mean, so expensive, like <laughs> it makes me blush. Um, but I, I knew that she would get me somewhere different. Um and she's not in our field at all. And so talking to somebody who is a businesswoman who has sold numerous businesses of like totally different types of businesses. Um I knew that investing this money in her would have me thinking bigger. Uh would teach me a lot about the things I don't know about business that don't often get talked about in the practice building world. And help move me through whatever blocks were there. And since she's not in our field, it's really funny because I'll be like, I'm really afraid about this thing. And she'll be like, yeah, that's just fear. <laughs> like there's no like, <laughs> well, where did that fear come from? And what story do you have about it? It's like totally different. It's like, yeah, okay, that's great. Um, Work through that. So um, it's kind of nice to not get, um, not get that validated too much in some ways. Um, so <laughs>
0: She doesn't have to take you down into it every single time.
1: No, like never, yeah. actually. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, you, you're you a therapist. You have the skills to deal with that. And I'm like, you're right, I do. I'm just kind of like sitting in the muck for whatever reason right now. So, um, yeah, it's been really invaluable for me to to recognize that I am worth kind of the, the risk, with air quotes, of going into a little bit of debt in my business that I know I can pay off before – I have an APR.
0: Yeah. Which is really almost no risk at all.
1: Right. Right. I mean, it's yeah. So it, that would have felt very, um, scarce for me before. Like the idea of taking on debt, especially when I'd worked really hard to get out of it. Um, uh, but the idea of taking on debt would have mired me in scarcity and now it feels abundant strangely. Um, cause I'm like, yeah, I made a really, I made a wise business decision. This was an investment Um, and it's already paid off, you know?
0: Yeah. And I was just thinking about when you're talking about um, our beliefs about debt and our, certainly our cultural message about debt being evil, it's, it's not good or bad. It's just, it's just an energetic exchange, you know?
1: Totally. Yeah. And it's, we all have our money stuff and our money stories. Um, I spent a lot of time talking about that with the folks that I work with. Um, and those are usually the conversations that involve the most tissues. Mm. And like, because it just taps into our sense of security and our sense of um, worth. And our I mean, all of these really core things within us that, that matter. Somehow money has like extended its branches into all of it when it's literally just an exchange of energy. It's a piece of paper. Um, my, my business coach talks about money is the power to do, which I like a lot from an abundance mindset of that social worker inside me. That's like, oh, I shouldn't make much money. Like if I make more money, I can, I can give some of it to the causes that I really believe in and the nonprofits that I used to work for, or that I've been on the board for that I know do good work. Um, so it's it's a really interesting shift. Um, that whole money conversation is so rich. It's huh, pun intended, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's it's just there's so much in it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've actually started talking about money with more of my therapy clients too, because I recognize that if it's this much of a story for the therapist I'm working with, certainly it's impacting my clients. So.
0: Yes, I'll say I've worked with people who live in poverty and have extreme deprivation and I've worked with people who have so much money, you know, they don't know what to do with it. And at both extremes and everywhere in between, it's an issue. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you have a lot of it, you're worried about losing it. If you don't have enough of it, all you want is to get more of it, you know, and I mean, Really makes you think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a powerful thing, money.
0: Yeah. But it's only the power we assign it. And then it connects so closely to our own core issues, like you said. I mean, really, it's all so intertwined. It's really interesting. And I'm glad you work on that in your practice building work because I'm sure that makes a big difference in helping people really build abundant practices.
1: Absolutely. I don't think that you can without getting some of that money stuff out of the way. Not out of the way. It's never, I don't know that it's ever really gone, but to sort through some of it and understand it better.
0: Yeah. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is the EMDR therapy training brainchild of Dr. Jamie Marriage, a clinician and author who's on a mission to confront stigma around mental health, trauma, and dissociation. The Institute, informed by Jamie's work, teaches a somatic, expressive, bottom-up approach to EMDR therapy that does not treat dissociation like a dirty word. ICM empowers their students to navigate dissociation as a normal response to trauma and stress when it shows up. Dr. Jamie Marich is out and proud on various levels about her own recovery and is a strong believer in the healing capacities of EMDR therapy and helping our clients to heal from the impact of trauma. I and two of my team members have been trained by the Institute for Creative Mindfulness directly with Jamie. And I was impressed with how dissociation really was treated as just a normal aspect of trauma therapy work, which it is. Both Jamie and the consultants were matter of fact about if and when dissociation arises. It's okay. It's normal. And here's how you can help the client in that situation. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is offering a coupon code to save 15% off any program offered by ICM. This includes their EMDR therapy basic training programs and a wide variety of their home study, advanced topics, and other CE offerings. Go to instituteforcreativemindfulness.com and use promo code 15 off for listeners. There's a link in the show notes. You can copy the promo code and use the link right there in the show notes to make it easy. Are you going? Changes that happen naturally throughout women's lives. So, hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CHAT at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code CHAT for 15% off today. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is the EMDR therapy training brainchild of Dr. Jamie Marriage, a clinician and author who's on a mission to confront stigma around mental health, trauma, and dissociation. The Institute, informed by Jamie's work, teaches a somatic, expressive, bottom-up approach to EMDR therapy that does not treat dissociation like a dirty word. ICM empowers their students to navigate dissociation as a normal response to trauma and stress when it shows up. Dr. Jamie Marich is out and proud on various levels about her own recovery and is a strong believer in the healing capacities of EMDR therapy and helping our clients to heal from the impact of trauma. I and two of my team members have been trained by the Institute for Creative Mindfulness directly with Jamie and I was impressed with how dissociation really was treated as just a normal aspect of trauma therapy work, which it is. Both Jamie and the consultants were matter of fact about if and when dissociation arises, it's okay, it's normal, and here's how you can help the client in that situation. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is offering a coupon code to save 15% off any program offered by ICM. This includes their EMDR therapy basic training programs and a wide variety of their home study, advanced topics, and other CE offerings. Go to Institute for Creative and use promo code 15Off for listeners. There's a link in the show notes. You can copy the promo code and use the link right there in the show notes to make it easy. Well, I want to say one more thing about a point you made earlier about the, the spiral staircase and leveling up. I really love that analogy. Um, well, you didn't say leveling up, but, you know, I worked on this in level one. Now I'm at level two. I'm working on this in level two. You know, as you think bigger and bigger and bigger, I know in my experience, you hit those scarcity buttons again and again. Mm-hmm. Each new arena is like
1: ah, like I'm scared to death I can't do this. Yeah, it's it's interesting cuz I actually hit them both um in my practice and my practice building business at the same time a couple weeks ago. Like I raised my rates in my practice and I raised them um i raised them above a number that I was totally comfortable with. And then I um, also started my like kind of thinking about offering something that I just announced yesterday in my practice building business. And in both cases was like, nobody's going to pay for this. And hitting it in two businesses <laughs> at once really sucked because um, then I was like, I'm going to crash everything. And then, you know. I get a call for, I continue to get calls. One of the reasons I raise my rates is because I, in my, um, in my practice is because I've been full, I can't take on anyone else. And I have this ethical thing about really wanting to talk on the phone with the person that called so that I can give them the best referral. Um, and so I was like, well, maybe if I raise my rates, it'll stave that flow some and I'll have fewer people to call back. Um, And I continue to get the same number of calls even though my rates are higher. Um, So that didn't work. Um, (laughs) And then yesterday I announced that I'm offering this really big package that's um, like a done for you practice building package that's a decent amount of money. I mean, it's it's a chunk of change, but it is me basically like sitting there with people doing the work with them. Like, we're going to write your copy right now. You and me on Skype, um, or we're gonna. I'm gonna show you how to build a Squarespace site, and we're gonna get started on it together. So there's people who really like need that extra layer of support, and thought, "Well, oh, I don't know. Like, I really believe in this, and I keep hearing people need this, but there was that scarcity mindset, and then boom, somebody that day was like, "Hey, tell me more. I want. I want to talk to you about this," and so I, I get these messages of like. <laughs> It's all fine, Allison. Just calm down. Um, yeah.
0: It's like you're on the right track. Keep going. Right.
1: Right. But I've also got momentum um, with both businesses. And when you're first starting out, you don't have that momentum. So you don't get that feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it's so hard to sit with that. So,
0: yeah, it's, it's like this little voice is saying, Why isn't the phone ringing? I must be doing something wrong, or there's something wrong with me, or I knew I wasn't good enough for this.
1: Right. Yeah. So all the, all the not good enough stuff. And then that's when that, that scarcity stuff will sneak in around, you know, you'll either be comparing yourself to someone else or trying to make sure you get that client and not someone else. Um, which I just don't think, I don't think yields the kind of practice or the kind of life that most of us want.
0: Yeah. And if we really admit it to ourselves, it feels kind of gross.
1: Yeah, yeah, it feels awful. I mean, it's kind of the opposite of what we are typically about as therapists.
0: Exactly. It's not that warm connection feeling, it's that like gut, like twisted feeling. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Allison, this has been such an interesting conversation. And um, I was looking on your website before we started talking. And I saw that you had the done for you package. I was like, Oh, my God, like that is so cool. I didn't realize how new it was. Um, So I think that's going to be really helpful to people. And, you know, I mean, even when we're trying to work through our our blocks. Sometimes you need someone to just walk with you.
1: Totally. Yeah. It's usually when we're most overwhelmed. Like I know I get there sometimes and I'm like, can't somebody just sit down and show me how to do this? Like, why do I have to read another thing about how to do it? So yeah, it's yeah. Like,
0: I know I can do this, but I just don't want to right now. I'm exhausted yeah. and overwhelmed.
1: Yeah. And I don't want those therapists who are exhausted and overwhelmed or the people who are still working full time with a part time practice to not have a private practice. And if this is the thing stopping them, um, I want to provide access to it, you know? Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I also saw you have a book coming out, which I did not realize. And you want to talk a little bit about that real quick?
1: Sure. So this is the the book coming out. Um, I was going to write it while I was pregnant, but then had a really, really rough pregnancy. Um, And now I have a four-month-old. So (laughs) it keeps getting put on the back burner, but um, it's kind of based on the mistakes that I've made in private practice so that other people can learn from that. Um, And it's also walking through a lot of the nuts and bolts things. Um, You know, I have a practice building checklist that's for free, uh, but it's taking people deeper into like, okay, so you recommend – maybe like Office Ally is a free billing service. How in the world does that thing work? And so having a link within the book that people can click on where it's a video showing them how to do that, for instance. Nice. Um, So yeah, I'm um, eventually going to get to it and get it finished. But I didn't realize, I mean, I blog all the time. I can sit down and write copy pretty quickly, but I did not realize what an undertaking writing a book is. Um, Mm. So I'm practicing lots of self-compassion that you model well um, and talk about a lot and, and not letting my perfectionism get in the way and trust that whatever iteration this book is in when it comes out is where it's, what it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah. When it's, when it's right, you'll know and it will come. And, you know, I mean, gosh, when you're having a tough time in your pregnancy, you need to just have
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to yeah. be
0: like, but I was supposed to write a book.
1: Right. <laughs> Probably running two businesses and being pregnant and having a three year old is plenty. <laughs> so, yeah, think, yeah that so, yeah. is plenty. Yeah.
0: So, um, please tell us where people can find more of all the fabulous things you're doing.
1: Yeah. So, abundancepracticebuilding.com um, is my website, and I have a lot of free information for folks um, as well as opportunities to work together. Um, I'm also doing a really fun thing called Brew Your Practice. It's a two-day event at the end of September with Joe Sanock and Jane Carter, and you can find that at privatepracticecounselors.com/brew.
0: Awesome! I think that sounds really good, and I hope by the time this comes out that your registration will still be open if it's not full by then, because it seems like a really cool opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good time. That's kind of our goal: is is great information and great fun.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, Allison, thank you so much for being on Therapy Chat today.
1: Absolutely, thanks so much for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed my interview with Allison Pereer. Allison is someone who I really love talking to because not only is she hilarious, but she has very real experiences as someone who has built a practice in a new place more than once. And she knows that having an abundance mindset makes it much easier than a scarcity mindset to build a private practice. Abundance is joyful. When you believe there's enough for me and I'm enough and we all can join together and help other people, that feels a lot better than thinking I have to fear and be territorial and be mistrustful of my fellow therapists when I'm trying to build my practice because they might take away the few crumbs that I can gather. That just doesn't feel good. But those scarcity issues come up and they sneak up on us. It's definitely something that I've struggled with. And I'll talk more about this next week, not just in terms of practice building, but scarcity versus abundance and enoughness. Definitely check out Allison's practice building weekend event, which is going on with Joe Sanock and Jane Carter in Asheville, North Carolina. It's called Brew Your Practice. And you can find all the information about brew your practice at private practice com slash brew. I think it sounds like a really fun event and I would certainly go if I could that's happening in September, 2016. So go check that out. And remember, please visit iTunes to subscribe, leave a rating and review and download episodes. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the therapy chat podcast with Laura Reagan LCSWC. For more information, visit Laura's website at www.laurareganlcswc.com.